0: Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Guaranteed Rate Field in Chicago. It's the Cleveland Indians 5, the Chicago White Sox 4. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field. The thing I enjoy, watching baseball being played. And last night's game had a lot of baseball. We had a little bit of everything last night. We had a pitching duel. We had strikeouts. We had home runs. We had small ball. We had sack. We had squeeze bunts. We had extra innings. We had rain delays. We had a little bit of everything last night. You know what? I'm going to be honest. In this short season, it felt like last night was the first real baseball game that the Indians played. I mean, everything else has felt like a blowout or an immense struggle, right? We either crush a team 13 to nothing, 13-1, or we get shut out. Last night on national TV, on ESPN, it felt like a full baseball game, a real battle between two teams. And it was fun to watch, especially late in the game as the two starters started to tire a little bit, and it was it was A really fun game all the way up until that rain delay, but hey, that happens. And That was a torrential downpour. Uh, So uh, people were making jokes about rain delays against Chicago teams on Twitter and stuff like that. If you remember the World Series in 2016, the Cubs. So yeah, that was funny, but it was great to see that the Indians were able to come out from that rain delay and finish the game. All right, let's take a look at what happened. What went down in this game? What were some of the highlights? What stood out? And uh, i got to give credit to Hamilton. I was listening to the first part of the game, and I agree with him. The Indians were hitting the ball hard to start the game, but not having any success, kind of hitting the ball right at people. Of course, Carlos Santana walked in his first at-bat. In the bottom of the second, Jose Abreu gets things going. He gets the scoring going. He actually hit a home run off Shane Bieber. And I think these stats were going into the game, but Jose Abreu going into the game was hitting 400 off Shane Bieber. He was 6-for-15 with two home runs and three RBIs. So I think after last night, we can... uh, we can probably call it seven for maybe 18 with three home runs now off him. So uh, Jose Abreu uh, is definitely a guy that can hit Shane Bieber, and he proves it in that second inning there. He uh, he homers on a curveball that just it was more of a get-me-over curveball. I think it was still a 1-1 count, so I think ba- Bieber was maybe thinking he could have him fooled. Maybe that pitch was supposed to be down and away a little more than it was if you look at the way Leon was set up behind the plate, but he hangs a curveball and Jose Abreu hammers it. I mean, Jose Abreu is the meat of that order. It's what he's going to do. So Shane Bieber, again, unfortunately proves to be human and gives up a solo home run to Jose Abreu. The Indians actually answer back, though, in the top of the third. Now, this is great to see, right? Your ace pitcher gives up a run in the bottom of the second, and you come back in the top of the third, and who knew Mike Freeman starting in left field today? Like Before Tyler Naquin comes back, we're literally throwing everything we can at this outfield to see what's going to work. So on a national TV night, they decide to start Mike Freeman in left field. He doubles to right field. Sandy Leon walks. Bradley Zimmer strikes out and Zimmer did not have a good night in three at bats. He struck out three times. And to be honest, Bradley Zimmer could not catch up to the fastball, had no clue when the changeup was coming. And that's what Giolito does. The change in speed from Giolito keeps guys so off balance that they either end up way behind on the fastball, way ahead on the changeup, or just staring at it. And, Zimmer was fighting. You could tell he was fighting, but he just has no clue how to handle Giolito. Struck out three times in three at-bats. So before when we were talking about who might get sent down when Tyler Naquin comes back, Zimmer might be a name they're discussing. I don't know. Mercado, we talked about Mercado, but Zimmer's struggling a little bit too now, so we will see. But let's get back to this third inning because Cesar Hernandez hits a Big double to center field gets it over Luis Robert's head and Mike Freeman scores. Sandy Leon moves up to third. Then Jose Ramirez follows up that up with a sharp single to right field. And that brings in Sandy Leon to score. So huge inning for the Indians. Not only do they answer back for Jose Ramirez, Abreu solo home run, but they put another run on the board. An honest-to-God rally, if you would believe it, from our Cleveland Indians. And again, it's the bottom of the lineup, setting things up for the top of the lineup to drive in those RBIs. As much as I may consider moving Lindor around in the lineup or uh, Santana around in the lineup, I I gotta say, I like Cesar Hernandez and Jose Ramirez hitting one-two, turning things over like this. Francisco Lindor did ground into a double play, though, to end the threat. So there we go. We put two on the board. We give Shane Bieber the lead. What does he do? Goes out there and dominates for a few more innings. We had a couple more threats. Uh, In the top of the fourth, we got two walks, but Chilito also struck out the side. He walks Santana, strikes out Reyes, walks Santana again. It's Domingo Santana for you playing at home. Mike Freeman strikes out and Sandy Leon strikes out. Shane Bieber continues to dominate in the fifth. We got to give a little love to the uh, to the ball boys in Chicago. The poor guy down the right field line. Cesar Hernandez has a ground ball down the line. The the umpire down the line at first base and and the first base. It's not Sandy Elmar anymore. Whoever's coaching first for us right now, both clearly are signaling fair ball. And, and you know I love when coaches do it right. I. I know it's old man softball, but I do it all the time in old man softball if I'm coaching a base. I'll try to sell to get a call from an umpire. So I love that even in the major leagues, they still do that. They try to sell to get a call from an umpire. And uh, the ball boy just totally blanked out. and was like, oh, the ball's coming right at me and tries to stop it. And uh, so Cesar Hernandez gets a ground rule double. It probably would have ended up a double anyways. But uh, we all feel for the ball boy because they're, they're doing their best out there. Uh, however, uh, Santana, Lindor walks. Ramirez flies out, Lindor walks. So we had a threat going in the, sixth, in the fifth there. We had a threat going against Giolito to kind of blow things open. Santana actually swings at a ball instead of walking, trying to draw a walk. And he, he hit his sharp, but it was right at second base. They were shifting. They were playing deep in the hole on him. And it ends the threat. So we stay two to one all the way into the sixth inning. And then James McCann comes up. It was a 3 2 count. And I, I don't know if it was a cutter or a changeup that was supposed to be down and away. I'm guessing it was it was only 88 miles per hour, but it looked more like a fastball action, like a cutter action. And it stayed dead red, middle of the plate. And McCann crushed it. A no doubt about her. All right. It's fine. They tie up the game 2-2. Two two. You know what? We should be able to support you know Shane Bieber for more than two runs. So after that home run, Bieber is still dominating, though. He strikes out Mendix, strikes out Garcia. Looks like he's going to clean up this inning, and we're going to end it 2-2. But something... I wouldn't say he ran out of gas, but it, it did feel like he was tiring. He walks Moncada and then gives up a double to Grandal. And to be honest, he left the fastball again, just middle of the plate. I'm pretty sure that was a full count as well. And Grandal drives it out into center field, doubles. Johan Moncada comes all the way around to score. He was flying around the bases. And Bieber gives up the lead. I mean, that's the first time he's given up a run to a hit that wasn't a solo home run. That's the first inning that I th- believe he's given up multiple runs in an inning. So he definitely felt like he was tiring. They they have a mound visit, he strikes out Jose Abreu and the threat, but Bieber gives up the lead. It's 3 to 2. It's the way Giolito locked in around the 5th uh, inning. It looked like, well, after the 5th, the way he locked into the 6th inning, it looked like we were in some trouble because he comes out for the top of the seventh and strikes out the side. And you're thinking, oh my, man, three to two. Like, come on, we got to help Shane Bieber, right? We got to do something for him. Karen Cech comes in, in the bottom of the seventh. He pitches great. He strikes out the side again. He did give a walk to Mazzara, but he strikes out Eloy Jimenez. He strikes out Luis Robert. He strikes out James McCann. And my brother was giving me a hard time about how I'm saying Luis Robert's name. In the press conference, that's how it sounded like he said it. And all the reporters were like, Robert? And he was kind of like, yeah, whatever. So it sounded like he said Luis Robert. That's how they say it in Cuba. So I'm sticking with it. And Evan Marshall comes in for the White Sox in the eighth. And Evan Marshall is a good relief pitcher for the White Sox. And he proves it by striking out Jose Ramirez. He strikes out Francisco Lindor. Carlos Santana does what Carlos Santana does, and we will talk about this in detail. Carlos Santana walks, and then for Mil Reyes with the big hit, a sharp line drive to center field, Carlos Santana flies around the bases. We talked about it a few days ago when when, uh, Carlos Santana tagged up from third and came home on a really short fly ball to left field. Carlos Santana, when he wants to, he can move. He can run when he wants to. It ain't going to last for long, but when he needs to kick it into gear, he can kick it into gear. And with two outs, he was not holding anything back. He was scoring that run to take Shane Bieber off the hook and tie up the game. Domingo Santana flies out to end the threat, but the Indians tie it up. And that's how we go all the way in two extra innings. Wickren had a good inning in the 8th. Alex Colomay comes in for the White Sox in the ninth. He gets into a little bit of trouble. A weird play. So Bradley Zimmer gets hit by a pitch. And then Cesar Hernandez actually reaches on catcher interference. It would have been a ground out to third to end the inning. That's what it looked like. And then everyone kind of stood around. And they go to the replay on TV. They didn't actually review the call because everyone on the field saw it. And they go to the replay on TV. And he nailed James McCann's glove. James McCann was pretty sure that Cesar Hernandez was absolutely frozen, not swinging. Cesar Hernandez flicks the bat out there at the last second, hits his glove. So you think maybe there's a chance. Ninth inning, we got two guys on, two out. Maybe there's a chance. Jose Ramirez grounds out. You know what? He's putting the bat on the ball. He put the ball in play. He gave him a chance. We've seen too many guys strike out in that situation. So I'm not going to be hard on Jose Ramirez for at least putting lumber on it and trying to drive in that run. Phil Madden comes in for the ninth inning. Again, still have no idea how to pronounce his name. Someone's got to help me out. So Phil comes in. He uh, he pitched pretty good, actually. He goes one, two, three in the ninth. So we go to extra innings, and now the Indians are in a situation where they get this extra, extra inning runner in second base, and being the away team, they get the first crack at it. So it's the opposite of the situation that happened to Clevenger at home. We'll see. I didn't see any angry tweets from him today, so we will see uh, what he thinks about this. And uh, it was a weird tenth inning for the Indians. So Jose Ramirez starts at second base. Francisco Lindor does not. They leave him. They let him swing away because he's Francisco Lindor. He's your money player, right? So they let him swing away. He's your all star. Flies out to center field. Carlos Santana then singles on an infield single. Moncada can't really handle it. Jose Ramirez gets to third. And uh, so we get that runner over to third with one out. It's not the way you would draw it up, but we get it. And then the out to Shields, who pinch ran for Fermil Reyes, and now is hitting where Fermil Reyes would be hitting. Now that completely changes the complexion of this game. If it's Fermil Reyes, he's swinging away. We have no clue what happens. But the line on the shields is fast and he's crafty and he knows how to lay down a bunt. And he lays down a sacrifice bunt, a suicide squeeze. Jose Ramirez comes in like he's on fire, scores the run, slides in ahead of the tag. Yasmani Grandal, I believe, came in defensively to play first base, tries to underhand, barehands it, and flips the ball home. It was a good play by him, though it was the only thing he could do. But Jose Ramirez was coming down like he was on fire. And scores. The helmet flies off. If you follow Zach Meisel's uh, Jose Ramirez, trademarked Jose Ramirez helmet flying off counter. His helmet flies off. He scores the run. As the away team, it's so important to get that runner from second home. Because if you don't, if you somehow get shut out in the top of that inning, you are really setting the home team up for an easy win. So we put the pressure on them. Then we have an interesting play where Domingo Santana grounded into a four-stop, to shortstop. The shortstop short flipped it to second, and Delino de Shields was flying down the line. And the the play was so close, and it looked like the second baseman's foot might have come off the bag. So they actually went to the review. Turns out he was out, but it doesn't matter because Mike Freeman singles right up the middle, scores Carlos Santana, and that was huge. That proved to be. The winning run. And we'll see how it goes down in the bottom of the 10th. So Mike Freeman coming up big in his left field start. So that's really great to see. And that's what Mike Freeman did so great last year. Being able to come off the bench cold, not playing for a few days, and actually deliver. I mean, it's hard to be a utility guy. And Freeman is pretty good at it at this point in his career. All right. Lots of defensive changes in the bottom of the 10th. Brad Hand comes on for the save and Nomar Mazzara this time is the runner at second. Luis Robert flies out to left field to Oscar Mercado, and Mazzara moves up to third. You forget that a sack bunt is not the only way to move a runner up to third and give up an out. A sack fly also does it. That's another interesting aspect of this extra inning game. James McCann then hits a bloop fly ball to center field. Bradley Zimmer did what outfielders are supposed to do. He took his first step back. That's hard as a center fielder, that ball coming right at you. It ends up dropping in front of him. Should he have gotten to it? Probably. But, you know, in, in an extra inning game, you understand you do not want to let a ball get over your head. So he takes his first step back. It drops in. Mazzara scores. Then Danny Mendick walks. And then things get crazy. So while Mendick's at bat is happening, and maybe even before that, a torrential downpour starts in Chicago on the south side. And, you know, Hamilton's doing his thing as the home, uh, you know, play-by-play guy, radio guy going, how are they still playing this game? Look at how wet this infield is. And you could clearly tell that, Brad Hand could not grip the baseball. He was trying to throw his curveball and could not, absolutely could not grip the baseball. And it absolutely should have gone into a rain delay earlier than it did. But finally, after Mendick walks, we got runners on first and second, the the tying run on second, the go-ahead run on first, with one out. They finally call for the tarp, finally call for a rain delay. I think it took Jose Ramirez drinking the rain, for them to finally realize, yeah, we got to call this thing. It's a funny clip if you haven't seen it out there on Twitter or on the uh, MLB app. So we come back. I think it was like a 45-minute rain delay. We come back, and Oliver Perez comes out of the bullpen. And Ali Perez sporting a mustache for the first time. I, I, I double-checked this because I'm, I'm very, very committed to the details. And the last time he pitched against Cincinnati, he had the full beard. This time he came out with just the mustache, and I got to say, it's a good look. It's a really fun look. He gets Garcia to pop out to second base, holds the runners at first and second, and then gets Johan Moncada to strike out on a foul tip. Huge, huge relief appearance for Oliver Perez. And I'm going to be honest, he looked completely unfazed. He's been doing this so long. A rain delay, a weird extra inning rule. Nothing is going to phase him. Calm, collected, threw his pitches, and got out of the inning. So it was a win for the Indians in a crazy extra innings game. Again, the finals 5-4. to The Indians did it on seven hits. The White Sox only six hits and an error. Let's see how it went down. Let's break down the box score really quickly. And Cesar Hernandez and Mike Freeman were the only ones with multi-hit games for the Indians. They had two hits each. Carlos Santana... Walked three times in this game. It's insane the level of walks that he is at. And like we said, Bradley Zimmer did strike out three times in three at-bats. Not looking great for Zim. Sandy Leone did not get a hit. So again, the catcher's batting average for the Cleveland Indians is plummeting. Again, he did walk and did score a run, So we'll give him some credit there. He is at least creating something. For the pitching, Shane Bieber goes six innings. Gives up four hits, three earned runs, two walks, eight strikeouts. His ERA did move up to 1.63. So, again, Shane Bieber proving to be somewhat human, but still pitching at elite, elite, ace Cy Young levels with the eight strikeouts in six innings. Karen comes in, strikes out the side. Whitgren has a good inning. Madden has a great knife. Hand struggles. And, but he also, Hand was subjected to that runner rule, right? So it's it's a weird inning for a closer who's used to coming into a clean ninth. i I'm not going to, and he had the rain. He had the torrential downpour. So I'm not going to be hard on Hand today. I still think Hand has found something, has found a little bit of a groove. We'll see what he does in the next appearance. And then Oliver Perez, with the big two outs to end the game, gets a save. I think they said it's been a long, long time since Oliver Perez recorded a save. So, huge to see. He has not given up a run on the inning. Him, Madden, and Karashek have not given up runs on the inning. And I took to Twitter yesterday to try to help me out with my MVP for a day. I know I completely forgot it again yesterday, and it probably would have gone to Jordan Luplo for busting out of his slump and hitting that home run. So, I went to Twitter. Unfortunately, I, I'm going to be honest with you guys, I'm not great at Twitter, I only got three votes on my poll, but um, so there's a, a tie on the poll because three different people got voted for. So I threw out the options of Reyes for his game tying game tying RBI, DeShields for his sack bunt, Karen Chak for King the side and shutting down the White Sox, or Oliver Perez for his post rain save. And I gotta give my MVP for a day to Oliver Perez. It's such a weird situation, and he handled it with such calm so cool in that situation. Maybe it was the mustache that gave him confidence, but Oliver Perez coming in and finishing that game definitely gets the MVP for a day. And for the White Sox, uh the White Sox, it was James McCann who did all the damage and he was catching today too. Yasmani Grandal started at first base and Jose Abreu was DHing, so I got that wrong a little bit earlier. But so, yeah, so Grandal at first, James McCann catching. And I think the next time Giolito pitches, James McCann will be catching. I I guess they were paired together a lot last season. They hadn't done it to start the season. I think you're going to see that because Giolito was locked in. Seven innings, four hits, two earned runs, five walks, nine strikeouts. Now, Giolito doesn't necessarily dominate Cleveland Indians. It is his second lowest ERA of anyone he's faced. I'm guessing these numbers were going into last night. He was two and two against us. His two, five, six, 2.56 ERA in five starts. And I, I mean, we've scored runs off him, 29 strikeouts. Now he dominates the Kansas City Royals, 71 strikeouts against the Kansas City Royals. But he's faced him a lot more times. He's faced him 12 times. Uh, The team he dominates in ERA is the Tampa Bay Rays 1.31. So, yes, he pitches great against us, but he was 2-2 coming into the game. So, you know, I wouldn't necessarily say that Giolito dominates the Cleveland Indians, that he owns the Cleveland Indians, but he pitched really good against us last night. And it's obviously Giolito versus Bieber. It's going to be two aces that we are going to see battle for a long time in this AL Central rivalry. All right, now the last stat we got to talk about is Carlos Santana, because it is getting crazy with Carlos Santana. Carlos Santana has walked 23 times now in only 17 games. Last year, in his first 17 games to start the season, he'd only walked 14 times, which, even if he walked 14 times, would still put him in the Major League lead right now, because... Following him, he's got 23 walks. Following him is Anthony Rendon with 14 walks. Uh, Also, Brandon Nimmo, Matt Olson, and Yastrzemski from San Francisco all have 14 walks. So he'd still be tied for the league lead, but he's got 23 walks to start this season. His on-base percentage after the game, after those three walks were recorded, he's now got his on-base percentage up to 451 but he's slugging 250. It's a weird, weird OPS. In those 17 games last season, even with the 14 walks, his on-base percentage was he was hitting 389. His on-base percentage was 515. He was slugging 537. His OPS last year after 17 games was 1.052. So if you're asking me which 17-game stretch would I prefer seeing, obviously 2019. Carlos Santana to start the season is what I would like to see. But we at least got to give credit where credit is due because he is at an insane pace on his walk rate. If I'm doing my math right, in 17 games, if you extrapolate out to 162 game season, if I'm doing my ratios right, if he's at 23 walks right now, that puts him on pace for about 219 walks on the season which would come close to Barry Bonds' record for 232 walks in 2004. So basically right now, if this were a 162-game season, it would break the AL record set by Babe Ruth, which was 170 in 1923. So he is on record-breaking pace for walks in a season, if this were a 162 game season, I'm maybe who knows, maybe in the baseball hall of fame, there'll be a special asterisk for 60 game seasons and the statistical records for that. So, uh, yeah. So it's weird. It's just a weird, weird season for Carlos Santana. And yeah, I mean, we all hope he starts hitting to add on to those walks and he hit, he's hit the ball hard. A couple of times he's hit the ball hard, deep to center a couple of times uh, he hit a hard, sharp ground ball when he finally swung to second base to end that threat. So I think it's there for Carlos Santana. Um, we'll have to take a look at his his, bat pip, his batting average balls in play, which is kind of a look at how lucky or unlucky you are when you actually make contact with the ball. So maybe we'll take a look at that in a few days and see you know, if maybe he just needs a little bit of luck to go his way. All right, coming up next for the Cleveland Indians, we actually have an off day tomorrow as we travel back to Cleveland. We actually have two off days this week, sandwiched between a two-game homestand against the Chicago Cubs. That's right. The Cubs are coming back to Cleveland. And on Tuesday, it's going to be Lester versus Clevenger. And on Wednesday, it's going to be Hendricks against Carrasco. So... I, you know, I'm gonna throw this out on Twitter. You know, let me know. Does this still feel like there's bad blood from 2016? The Cubs coming back into our house. I'm not sure if this is the first time we face them since 2016, but coming back into our house, does it still feel like there is a rivalry there? Like there's some bad blood? Do you still flashback instantly to the 2016 World Series, or have too many guys moved on? Have too many guys from that from those World Series teams? Araldis Chapman's back with the Yankees. Uh, Kluber is no longer with the Indians. Uh, And think about our relievers. Andrew Miller, Cody Allen. Those guys aren't with us anymore. So does it feel like too many people have moved on? Or is there still enough familiar faces on both sides that this still feels like a rivalry from the 2016, a rematch of the 2016 World Series? So let me know your thoughts. And uh, speaking of that, we added an email address for the show. So if you have thoughts, if you're not great at Twitter like me, you can just email the show, Mornings at gmail.com. If the game wraps up, if you wake up in the morning and you got burning thoughts about the game, just email Mornings at gmail.com and we'll respond to your thoughts. I also want to give a huge shout out to J.26, who gave us a five-star review on Apple Podcast. He gave a really, really nice, really great review for the show. So huge shout-out to J.26 on iTunes, on Apple Podcasts. Thank you for the five-star review. If you're out there and you want to help support the show, get on Apple and give us a five-star review or Stitcher or any of the other podcasting apps that you listen on. I think Stitcher and Apple are really the only two that like do this five-star review thing. But if you could give us a review on there, it really helps. I know it's behind-the-scenes stuff, but our SEO, our, I, I actually added a subtitle to the show, if you've noticed. And now it now says an Indians fan podcast because I needed to get the show noticed on Apple. If you searched Cleveland Indians, the show now comes up. We're actually moving up in the rankings there. So help the show out if you're a fan of the show. Go leave a five-star review on Apple. I really appreciate everybody out there that's listening because I just love talking baseball, and I hope you're enjoying it no matter what you're doing. If you're cutting the grass, if you're walking the dog, if you're driving to or from work, I hope you just really enjoy some good baseball talk. All right, that's all my thoughts. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning. Again, the final from Chicago. It's the Indians 5, the White Sox 4. We'll be back in. Remember, it's an off day on Monday, so there's going to be no show Tuesday morning. We'll be back Wednesday morning to cover that Cubs game. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can now email the show at Cleveland Baseball Mornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game, and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor. So if you go to anchor.fm forward slash Cleveland Baseball Mornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We will play your voicemail on the air. We'll respond to your thoughts and have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning.